Good morning and welcome to worship here at Springfield Church of the Brethren. It is Sunday, October the 16th. I'll let you know we have done already our first trick-or-treating event yesterday on Friday, so our house is already filling up with candy. I hope you're all filling up with candy since I know uh, eventually those kids are going to start showing up and asking for it. So we have our first for her. I hope you are all doing well as, as the weather has come. I want to thank you all for joining us here in person, those who are joining us online. Our scriptures today continue with a very short one in Exodus 20 and a longer one out of Matthew 6. 6, 20, 15. You shall not steal. Matthew 6, 25 through 34. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body. What you will wear is not, your, is not life more important than food, the body more important than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Who are you by worrying? Uh, can, uh, yeah. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow will be thrown into the fire, will he not clothe you much more? So, you of little faith, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Blessed is the word. Amen. The end of the summer was always a really hard couple days. Two days specifically at camp. There was Friday night. After the campers left, we would have our final Vespers, closing Vespers. We would start at like 8 o'clock. I can't remember a single time we didn't finish before 2 a.m. It was long. But a big part of that was we, uh, we all gathered together and we would share stories from the summer and everyone was expected to bring some kind of gift. Uh, they would read a poem, sing a song, give a gift of something they've made. My... Uh, my drum is actually decorated in strips of, um, of uh, bandana, because we all wore bandanas, and one of our, our regular summer staff members would cut them into strips for bracelets, or my drum's decoration. Anyway, and then the next day, we had to get up early, because we needed to get the cabins cleaned. We needed to get the nature center, the arts and craft building locked up for the winter. And we had to get it done fast because we all had to be out of there by the end of the day 
because by the end of the day, the next group was already coming in. Because after our summer camp season finished, we rented the camp out for two weeks to camp cadets. It was always an exhausting day, but we got it done every year. Well, Camp Cadet, that is a, a program put on by the Center County uh, Pennsylvania Police Force. Uh, Center County is where Penn State is, just north of where camp is. And they would come in, they bring in troubled and at-risk youth, and for a week it was a mix of a boot camp, uh, learning about what it means to be a police officer. They would bring in things like the forensics team, SWAT, the bomb squad, cadaver, and search and rescue dogs. Um, the Life Lion, that's the helicopter that works with uh, um, Penn State Med um, Hershey Medical uh, would fly in. The kids would get to crawl around the Life Lion. My favorite was always DCNR, the Department of Conservation of Natural Resources. They would usually, usually, not every time, usually brought a bear that they were currently transporting somewhere new. Thankfully, they didn't leave it at camp. We had enough bears. Um, and the other part of it was, was it was just camp. But to be honest, we hardly ever interacted with, with Camp Cadet because that was my parents' vacation. They had just gone through camping season. Camping season prep starts in November. We, we closed for December. And then my parents worked solid from January through the last week of July for camp. It's a long run for them. So they take two weeks, we go spin at the beach, and if you're gonna do that, who else is better to leave the camp property with than a bunch of police officers, right? So I hardly ever interacted with them, but they always left something at camp, something that wasn't usually there. Because we would come back, and we would go up to the kitchen pantry. It was a big room built onto the back of the kitchen. You would open it up, you'd go in, there would be boxes and boxes of, of crackers, uh, to chips, nacho chips, cookies. There'd be ice cream in the freezer, ice cream bars, soda, Slim Jims. I like Slim Jims. All this kind of food that I, more or less, we have hardly ever had at my house. We had, we had chips, usually tortilla chips around, but you know, my parents weren't big ones for us to be really snacking outside of normal eating hours, besides fruit. Um, and my, 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 when we moved to camp, we were actually pescatarians. That means we ate fish, and that was about it when it came to meat. We ate fish. I hated fish. I'm still not the biggest fan of fish. I like sushi. I will do deep fried fish. But I will not do oven-baked fish very often. I'm just not a big fan, because I grew up eating nothing but fish. <laughs> no. So up in the lodge were all these items that were left over by Camp Cadet. They had a canteen. They could go at the end of the day, and they could spend their money or their points that they had earned to get a treat for themselves. And whatever was left over, Camp Cadet left with us. So I might. Say, hey, I'm going for a walk. Head on up there. Stop and grab an ice cream sandwich. Maybe four or five of those little Slim Jims. Take my walk. I wasn't really supposed to. Yeah, I kind of broke this commandment. I took it. 
I've got a problem. Food is a hard thing for me to resist. I'm, I'm, I am someone who loves food. I love the action of eating and enjoying my meals. To be fair, I'm pretty not picky about it. I mean, besides things like mushrooms, I'll pretty much eat anything. I would love to go to a nice restaurant where you, know, you pay like $60 for the steak, and that's just the steak. You gotta spend like another 16 bucks on potatoes and vegetables, which is really overpriced. But anyway, you know, I, I will enjoy that meal. I will also enjoy the dollar menu burger. <laughs> I'm not picky. I like food. I like to eat. It's a problem. But yeah, I, I don't have a lot of resistance when it comes to food lying around the house. Even today, I've got, a, I've got a bag. We took Gracie to Boo in the zoo yesterday, so I've got a bag of candy in my house right now. It's only a good thing they didn't give us a bunch of peanut butter cups because those would already be gone. I have no resistance, and I will wait until no one is watching and then I'll sneak them. I don't know what. There's something about the pilfered peanut butter cup that is just better than the regular peanut butter cup. And if it's a pilfered peanut butter pumpkin cup, that is just the tops. I see some nods. The pumpkins are better. Easter eggs are high up there too. Anyway. You know, I don't think this kind of stealing is that odd to anybody. I think any of us who has ever been a kid, which we've all been kids, we've probably taken those kinds of things before, right? You know, we may have pilfered some snacks that we weren't really supposed to grab out of the pantry. Probably not camp's pantry. I, I know that's an unusual experience for me. But, you know, your pantry at home. I mean, I don't think you can pilfer out grandma and grandpa's pantries. At least that was never the case in my grandparents. It was free to, oh, free to anyone. At least the grandkids, because we are, you know, better than our parents, I guess. Right? That's why grandparents give us anything. No? Okay. Anyway. So... We've all done that. We've all broken this rule, especially as kids, and, and maybe as older, I've, I've, been, I've been fairly good, you know, as far as breaking everyday laws. I don't think I've ever stolen anything. I may have gone slightly over the speed limit from time to time. That's why Magador has 200 of my bucks. You all know what I'm talking about too, don't you? You know that exact spot. <laughs> I really wasn't going that fast. Anyway, so, but this commandment makes sense, right? It's one of those obvious ones, like the do not murder. You know, do not steal. Don't take what isn't yours. But then again, you got to ask, why is it there? Because when we explored, like, do not kill, do not kill, of course, this is obvious. You know, it happens, but it's obvious that we generally shouldn't do it. But why bother at it? Why make it one of the ten central pillars of this new faith? Why, why do that? Well, when we, we looked at do not kill, as we kind of explored it, we found that it's not just about murdering other people. It's a reflection of those first three commandments, and it's a respecting the fact that every other person is a reflection of God, that we are images of God, created by God in this earth. And it's not only respecting of the life of another person, but it's also respecting God putting that life into that person. 
So what is, what is behind this one, you shall not steal? Now, I'll tell you, you, not steal, you shall not steal actually marks the beginning of the last grouping. They are grouped together. So we have the first group, which was the how we respect God. And then there was the second group, which was the, uh, the ones on um, um, aye, 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 respect, honoring mom and dad, do not murder, and no adultery. Which, when we explored that, was all about relationships and setting up the, the, the main system by which the, the Jewish faith, the, the Israelites were going to make their society work, centered around family and the respecting of one another and the respecting of the vows we give. So again, we find these repeating. You shall not steal. Uh, you shall not steal. You shall not make false witness. And you shall not covet. They are, again, reflections of the first three, but expanded one more level out. Now we are looking at the broad group. We have gone from how we look to God, how we look at our family, our center core, and now how do we look at everyone else? How do we express that love outwards? Now, I will tell you, as I sat there and I was thinking, how am I going to talk about this? I'll tell you, my first inclination was to say, you shall not steal, as they are going into the promised land where every person is guaranteed to live a life in the land of milk and honey. There's no reason to steal except for greed. You're going to have enough to eat, everyone. You're going to have enough to drink, everyone. You're going to be relatively safe. You're going to be able to live good, fulfilling lives. There is no need to steal unless you want something that isn't yours. But you know what? That's the 10th commandment. That's do not covet. So why, why include coveting and stealing? What is the message behind that? Because there's got to be something more. All right, so do not steal. This is an interesting Hebrew word. It can mean this like that. But I'll tell you where it appears just a couple, couple verses later. I think it's the 21st to the 22nd chapter. There's a whole section that talks about how it is bad to kidnap. And this word steal here is used there as well, though it's meant steal a person. They could have used a different word, but they did not. They chose to use this word. So this isn't just steal. This is kidnap. You shall not kidnap. Which again seems super obvious, right? Kidnapping is typically bad, right? Yeah? So you shall not steal. You shall not kidnap. Okay, it's getting at something different here. It's not just about taking what isn't ours. It's about destruction of relationships. After all, isn't that what a kidnapping is? It's taking someone out of the structure, out of the family that they want, that they are born into, that they want to be a part of, and taking them out of it, saying, no, now you are mine. Now, mind you, this is a day and an age where children are really, you know, they are loved. They are cared for. That has never changed. All since the beginning of humanity, people have loved their children. But how they viewed their children has changed over time. This is a society who views children as beloved beings, but also as belongings. You own your child. You own your child until they reach adulthood and they've really become their own person. And that makes sense in a society when so many people die at a young age. 
it's maybe a good thing to kind of set up a slight barrier to keep yourself a little out of the grief. So, why this then? Again, still obvious, whether it's steal or kidnap. Here's the thing. We humans, I believe, we are inherently good. We are, as we've been talking about, the reflections of God. Now, we have a kernel inside of us that tells us to rebel, and we're really good at doing that too. But it doesn't change the nature of us, that we are essentially good beings. But when you start getting more and more people together, those little flaws start to amplify. As you become a society, a culture, as you set up government, those flaws become even bigger. We call this systemic sin. And I, I challenge any of you to think about dealing with anything with bureaucracy, whether it's government, whether it's schools or businesses or even churches, and you think about it and you'll start going, oh yeah, there's a lot of flaws in the system. For all the good they are attempting to do, we know they've got flaws, right? I mean, have any of you ever had to try? I, I, there was a, a terrible period in my life where, where I, uh, I left a job. I was going to get an unemployment for it. And I will tell you, there is very few things more frustrating than an unemployment system. I'm looking for work. I haven't found anything yet. Especially I was in seminary, and so I'm going to full-time classes on top of that. And then you're dealing with the unemployment system. And that means hours of calls. Hours. Systems are usually problematic. So, the first commandment. The first commandment that tells people about dealing with one another. Do not kidnap. Do not steal. But it's actually pointing at something even bigger yet. Because each of these commandments are going to be drawn out. They're going to be stretched a little bit. And some of them are what we call like the deadly laws. You know, kidnap will be one of them. We're going to come to kidnap a little later in the, in the things. And if you kidnap someone, that's a reason for execution. But generally, stealing is not. Stealing is going to get its own set of rules. And, and generally, the stealing is kind of like this. Look, if you steal, if you steal someone's cow then you are responsible to return the cow. And on top of that, extra money, extra cows, whatnot, basically recompense. But then this is stretched out in another way as well. Maybe a way that's not quite as obvious. It's talking about, it starts kind of start talking about how we, we should pay what we owe. It's not just the action of stealing, as in going in and taking what isn't ours, but it's also the honoring of what we promise that we are going to do. So if you hire a contractor to come in and do your plumbing, pay your contractor. The Bible's telling you this. If you use a credit card to pay for something, I know the credit card's got their own problems. And you got to wonder about that whole, like, you know, 28.84%. But anyway, 
They've got their own problems. They're kind of stealing from you too, I get that. But you made a promise to pay it, so you gotta pay it. Stealing in here is about honoring your commitments. Honoring what is yours, and honoring what you owe to others, and honoring what is theirs. It's basically operate uprightly in an economic system that you live in. Now this, this goes on to Jesus. Because what does this have to do with us? Because you know what, this is, this is basic everyday human ideas, right? I mean, yeah, we, we live in a Christian nation, but you know what, if you go to any nation in this world, more or less, you know, some of them are really super corrupt, I get that. But you know what, if you were to go to just about any nation, they're all going to have rules that you pay what you owe, that you uphold your contracts. If you're the boss and you owe someone their pay, you give them their money. All of them are going to agree with that. So what makes this a God-centered rule? That's why I really like that other passage, that do not worry passage out of Matthew. Because you know why people steal? Because this is different than coveting. Coveting is wanting what is not yours. The reason people usually steal, why they have to have a separate one for steal, is taking what isn't ours because we are afraid. It's bad enough if you know you're some person who's well off and you're not paying what you tell people you're going to pay them. That's bad enough. It's got its own problems. But this is a commandment not about that necessarily. That's obvious. This is a commandment about those who don't have enough. You know that old conundrum, would you steal a loaf of bread to feed your family? Well, would you? I can't tell you the answer. I've, I've thankfully not been in that position. I've been close, but thankfully I've never reached that position. That's where Jesus comes in. Jesus reminding us that we do not need to resort to stepping over certain boundaries because we are afraid. Do not worry. Don't, don't worry. Things are going to take care of themselves. Do not worry. You're going to get clothed. Do not worry. You're going to get fed. You do not need to overstep boundaries and harm those around you. My brother Laban is a good example of this. Laban has lived a long and strange life, despite the fact he's younger than me, I will say long and strange life, because as I reflect on it, he's done a lot of strange things. And there's been times in his life where he was pretty financially unstable. I mean, there were times where he hardly had two nickels to rub together. I'll say nickels. It wasn't too terrible, but still pretty, pretty awful. And I remember having this discussion with him. Laban, how do you make it? How do you make it? And he, he started describing the ways that he just kind of started trusting that things will happen as they will happen. And that's a scary step to make. Now, he did some things I won't recommend to everyone. Now, he... Uh, he well, he did some things that I would recommend if that's the kind of life you want to live. He lived at a co-op farm where he, it was his job to take care of the chickens, and because he took care of the chickens, he got, 
He got a share of their eggs, and people gave him a share of other things that they produced. He made it work like that. You know, he lived low to the earth. He would also often go visit the local grocery store and go check out out back and go through the dumpster. And he would usually find strawberries, especially strawberries. This is why I hate buying strawberries. They can't keep. But you know, they just throw out the whole package. And so he would go through the package and he'd cut off all the moldy bad bits and he had strawberries. That's the part I wouldn't recommend to anyone. Now, my brother is not the most vocally faithful person, but he found that he was living this kind of life that he just trusted that God would take care of him. And he didn't have to resort to taking what wasn't his, to doing shady things, to, you know, like going in and saying, I'll have a cup of coffee, taking it and not paying for it. It's not always that easy still. And I get that. Life is far more complicated in grade area. But this do not steal and then added on top of that of Jesus' commandment not to worry reminds us that God will take care of us no matter what. But we got to put faith in him. we got to put faith in God. And that's not always easy. This isn't a sermon where I'm going to leave you with a great feeling. Because I know I just told you that it's okay to go through a dumpster. I'm not saying go through a dumpster. But I am going to say that sometimes things are going to feel really scary. You're going to feel unsecure. And God wants you to know that when you are in those moments to put your trust fully in God, because God will step in just as God feeds the birds, just as God takes care of the flowers, God will step in and make sure you are okay. But you got to be open to that trust. You got to be open to trying. You got to be open to doing what is right and not resorting to something you know is wrong. I see that all the time in this community, by the way. Not that any of you are doing anything wrong. I'm not saying that. But when someone is hurting, someone isn't sure, you all wrap your arms around them and care for them. Today's passage, actually, the Jesus passage, is one of my now favorites and hardest passages because it is the passage that makes me think of Sophie because that is the passage that reminded me that my little girl is being taken care of by God. Because we never know who and how God takes care of the birds, who and how God takes care of the flowers. We never know that. We only know that God does that. And I'm looking around, and I'm seeing a lot of people here who are really good at feeding the birds, and a lot of people around here who are really good at taking care of flowers. You know who you are. Trust in God. Don't say this is my only choice and make the bad one. It's not your only choice. God is with you. All you got to do is reach out and trust that God's got you. Because you're not on this trapeze without a net. You're being taken care of. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt trust in God. Because God's got your back. Trusting in God, that God's not going to leave you hanging. And when the things look really scary, 
when things seem really unsure, when there doesn't seem to be a good choice, take a moment, take a breath, have a prayer, reach out. We are not called to be Christians as individuals, but Christians together. Paul, almost in all of his commandments, when he says you, I wish they retranslated it into southern, because then they could put the word y'all, because that's what Paul's saying. Y'all are Christians. Go out and trust. Amen.